Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on a Saturday afternoon in a dialogue of building resilience in times of crises. What an extraordinary, challenging, and surreal time for all of us. Just to start off, let me introduce myself. I'm Christina, co-lead of Partnerships for Lean in Malaysia, and today we have Serena Shukri. Serena is currently CEO of MDEC, driving Malaysia's digital economy forward. Her work focuses on digital transformation, blockchain for social change, and venture capital. She had spent over 15 years in New York City, working on Wall Street and investment banking and commercial banking, before launching her own startup, Shinovation Ventures. In 2019, Serena returned home to Malaysia to join MDEC. We are so lucky to have her join us today for a dialogue on how to build resilience in times of crises. Now, as we dive into this session, I would just like to ask all of you to reflect throughout the session. What has been difficult for you in this time, and what has also been a surprising joy to you? What have you been doing in challenging times? What does resilience mean to you? Now, to start off, Serena, how are you doing, and how's your family doing? Yeah, it's quite hectic, um, but at the same time, you know, events like this, spending time with all of you, to me, is is something that gives me great joy because because I think that. You know, having a conversation sometimes is just helpful to de-stress, and so I'm as grateful to be here with you all as probably you all are grateful to be here with with me. Um, so how has it? Uh, so so I'll. Um, I spent my career overseas, so I was here in Malaysia. You know, did my undergrad. Um, you know, I'm like from Tamantun originally, and then I went to boarding school, exactly. And then, and then I graduated from Penn, came back, and then I felt like no one's asking me out on any dates, so I'm just gonna go and run away to New York because that seems to be where all the fun is. And so one thing led to another, and I was there for close to 20 years. And then last year, I decided to come back because this opportunity came about, and now here I am. Um, and so coming back to your question, Shreya, how's it been over the last? A um, little bit. I'm not sure if people have been tracking, but we're in the we're, we're about to start our ninth week of MCO, and so quite you know a big change. But not only that, we've also had change um, in government as well. We also had a scenario where the world was already changing. So we're in this situation right now where there's change all around. I think like everybody, um, um, you know, is the, the topic of resilience is of course top of mind because what do you do when, when there's so much uncertainty going on and, and at the same time we're, we're adapting to so many new, new things. For, for, for me, I would not lie, the last uh, eight weeks at home has been super duper intense not only because um, as an organization, we're adjusting to life being, you know, outside of the office to, to this life being working remotely. Uh, we're adjusting also to um, shifting, like how do you drive, how do you support the industry that's also going through the same thing that need digital advice and whatnot. And then how do you also help um, shift and, and shape national agenda going forward so it's been super hectic and at the same time you know, I've got three kids at home and they are also adjusting to 
their new reality, i.e. studying from home. All in all, you know, the, the philosophy has been take it one day at a time, you know, one week at a time, and then try, um, that helps to, to anchor. Yeah, understand. So uh, just for those who are just joining us right now, we were just asking Serena, how is she doing? How she and her family are doing? And she mentioned that, you know, taking it one day at a time helps a lot. Um, I think what we're curious to know, actually, Serena, you know, uh, in, and earlier on, you mentioned that MDEC, especially at this time, seems especially relevant and pertinent. You know, so how have you been steering MDEC and your team through COVID-19 as a business? Yeah, so, so what I told my team that first, we started preparing because we knew that we were going to go into, into remote working mode you know, before we actually started the, before the, the movement control order happened. So everything from preparing, um, um, you know, systems and, and everything else. And we really had to, organize. I remember one of our calls, we were talking about things in theory, like, oh yeah, I think we're going to be okay. You know, we have all these things set up, but sensing that, no, 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 there's a scenario in which things might change five days from now. So we literally stopped our team meeting that was in person. And we said, we're gonna practice everybody going to their office and replicating you know, what a remote session would be like. And so, so we really needed to like um, um, mobilize. So, so first it was this realization that all the theory, mm -hmm. everybody has got business continuity plans, but it's always on paper. And so realizing up front that the theory is now practical. And so you just need to start to shift your thinking from planning to actually acting. So moving. So that was the, 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 the first thing um, that we did as we thought about resiliency. And then the other thing that we, we, we also, um, um, like at least I shared with the team, like, look, we have to make sure that we put our oxygen mask on first. And so how to go around and make sure that, that we are, we as an organization are set up. And, and so, so we have to put on our oxygen mask first mm. before we go out and like help other people. So that first week was super intense. We were doing everything at the same time. Um, but the mindset was you have to put your oxygen mask on first and then yeah. you, can, you, can, you can serve. Um, so, so for us, it's been, it's been a lot. Um, so then once we actually got into that mindset, we got our, our, um, business matters, business affairs in order, then we could start to help, um, support the industry because we got a lot of inbound, um, things coming our way. Um, but what was the, the, the pleasant surprise was the fact that this notion of everybody is in it together. And so everybody started, there's a, there's a real true sense of camaraderie. We actually um, organically launched a, just called it digital versus COVID, a movement. Wow. So everybody started using the same hashtag, everybody being like industry, using the same hashtag. And then one by one, people started coming together and say, hey, you know, I've got, you know, I'm a, I'm a tech company. I've got the solution. I, I, I'd love to help provide, you know, help the SMEs that are out there. And so what can I do? And so we started piecing all these things together. And, and you know, just within three, four days, we got a list of 
80 different companies that were that said, hey, we're part of this digital versus COVID movement. And so they were offering like free products and services. And then fast forward three, four weeks later, that list grew to 422. So, so yeah, so everybody's just coming. And so it was this, a nice, pleasant surprise how, how the, the, with the need to actually um, support other companies out there, everybody has, has services, and also realizing that with, with COVID, what was really clear was the speed of execution was key. You really need to right. move. And so the, the, the way to move quickly, to accelerate whatever it is that you do, is to partner. So that's why we saw a nice sense of collaboration um, right. in and um, which was there already, but now to accelerate, everybody started to, we saw a lot more of that. That's fantastic. That is so great to hear. Um, and again, for, for the new joiners, we just joined the last couple of minutes. Uh, we're here with Serena Shukri, who is CEO of Endec. Uh, and we were just talking about how to steer your businesses through COVID-19. Um, I guess, you know, Serena, and, and, and as a follow-up to that question, you know, what has sort of been the hardest thing that you've had to deal with in this time? Uh, because for some of us, you know, we're facing pay cuts um, and some of us are facing sort of um, job losses and just having to navigate a lot of uncertainty at this time, right? So yeah. wondering how is, how's that experience been for you? So, so I, would, I, would, I would split that into, into two. So well, we all have responsibilities. And so, and so some of us actually have responsibilities as, um, as leaders as well. And so, so if you are, if there are entrepreneurs on, on, on the call, if there are, um, um, you know, business leaders on the call, one of the hard things around this time is trying to actually project and provide that guidance in terms of what's going to happen. And that is certainly very hard to do. And even, even on our side, where we need to think through what are the different scenarios and what's going to be the, the, the outcome of of that and so navigating during these times managing your 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 teams is not an easy thing to do and so so but what is required um, um, during this time is just open communication and so like for example if you don't know something say you don't know something and if it's if it's something is is difficult just say that it's it's difficult and really trying to to increase that that communication. Certainly that's something that, that we try to do, I'm trying to do, quite honestly, I'm trying to do still. When we, uh, when we first went into MCO, like I made, so we, in addition to, to um, serving the industry, working very closely with government, we also realized that okay, our employees are actually very important too. So increasing our, the frequency of our communication. So we had uh, amongst the leadership team, like daily meetings, and then we also had like um, virtual town halls. But time passed by really quickly, and I just realized that wow, it's been a while since I had a virtual town hall. And so I hope people are <laughs> reading, people are reading um, um, the notes that I put out to to the team. So it's certainly um, quite um, challenging, but communication is is really important. And so if you're running a team, just make mm -hmm. sure that. Your communications during this time so that they, yeah. they have information. 
And sometimes, you know, uh, being transparent and honest in terms of what you know and what you don't know, what you feel worried about and what you don't feel worried about, that's actually quite, quite helpful. I think people prefer to, to have you know, information than not having information. That's true. And I think transparency is key to people feeling like at least they have a hold on, on some truths, on some facts, especially at this time, right? Um, and for those of you in the audience who'd like to react to all of this, um, we gently ask that you still remain in mute, but go ahead and add your comments or questions in the chat, as well as uh, potential Zoom reactions to, to Serena's insights. So Serena, uh, you know, we were talking about how you, li you lived in New York City for a long time. I actually lived in New York as well for a couple of years. And nice. you know, the energy is very different there, right? It is, you know, a city that's sort of known to be very resilient, you know, um, and sort of gets on with things. Um, and interestingly, you'd lived in New York in, you know, two of the greatest crises, not just in for the city in the past decade, but for the entire world, you know, 9-11 and the 08 financial crisis, um, both of which really changed the course of how we live today. So what was your experience like then? You know, what can we learn from New Yorkers in this sense? Uh, what advice do you have for all of us going through such a different crisis at this time? Yeah, yeah. So I remember um, two big changes. Um, so the first was in 2001, so 9-11. So and at that time, I had just moved from KL. And, then, and, um, um, and it was probably the third month that I moved back to, to New York. And so 9-11 happened. Um, and what was so remarkable was the, the sense of oneness that the city had. Um, New York always has this, this, this attitude of, hey, we're New York tough, we'll get through this. And that really was something that, that helped pull the city together um, and, and, and um, was all about just moving forward, which was, which was interesting. And then, and then um, there were also times from that that they were not as big. I remember there was a very big power outage. It was a blackout. It was a mass blackout. Yes. And, um, and everybody was like, ah, it's a blackout. No big deal. And so people were on the streets, restaurants were giving away their ice cream because it was melting. And so it ended up like a, like a party instead. And then, um, um, and then 2008 was the financial crisis and which really hit the, the, you know, financial sector, my sector really, really hard. Um, yeah. but I think we'll continue to, to, to pivot. Um, and I think, you know, what's very interesting about New York is the mindset that they have. They're, they have this thing, this New York tough um, mindset. And, and I guess that song, you know, New York, New York, where they say, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And so they know that life is tough, but, you know, New Yorkers are tougher. And, and um, um, that, that mindset of, yeah, this is only temporary. We'll, we'll get through this, I think is something that, um, um, we can, like, I certainly have adopted uh, from my many, many years being there. That's fantastic. And I think that's something that we can all learn here as well, is that this is temporary. And, you know, to be fair, our, our government and our healthcare workers and frontliners are doing a great job in Malaysia, yeah. especially. 
So feeling very thankful to actually be here um, and having you know them steering us through this. Um, We're doing a better job than 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 the New Yorkers are in this regard. <laughs> Yeah, well, because he compared, like, hey, what's it, what do you think, you know, what's it like in New York? I said, I actually am much more thankful that I'm here because just looking from the response and everything, uh, we've, I think Malaysia has been very, you know, the citizens have been quite responsible in terms of how we've reacted to, to, yeah, so I, I, yeah, and then, hospital like temporary hospital in central park um yeah. so, so we're, we're quite lucky in that regard yeah we are actually in a very good place here in in malaysia so and how do you have sort of conversations like these with your kids as well you know i think a lot of us have families we have siblings and some of us have kids you know trying to tell kids about what's going on in the world is a whole other challenge on its own, you know, how, how has that been for you? Yeah, I think this, um, it has not been that hard uh, with managing it because we tell them what's happening. Like, I think sometimes you'll be surprised. Like sometimes you think that you need to sugarcoat everything for, for the kids, but I have the, the complete opposite way. I'm like, I'm like, no guys, life is tough. You know, there's no, it's not going to be easy. This is, life is tough. And so the more you accept that, that life is tough, then, then the better off we'll be. And then we also always talk about things like, oh yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, it's, you know, we, we can, we can travel, but who knows after this, we can't travel anymore, but we just need to, to accept it. And they get it. That's good. That's great. And I guess if we can go off another tangent, um, you know, what are some of the opportunities that you see that are coming out of this um, and especially specifically for Malaysians as well as on a, on a global level, right? Yeah, so, so I think whatever it is that we go through, anyway, like as an individual, as a company, as a country, I think you, all, you can always look through the lens of challenges. You mm -hmm. see challenges or you see things as as opportunity um, and I think that that you know because somebody asked like what is the best way to future-proof your career what is the best way to like ensure resilience I think like adaptability is, is it, it's mindset and adaptability so mindset being you know you're there's always going to be tough times but after the clouds after the storm the sun always comes out so you just need to like hang in there and then you know if it rains, you'll get wet, then you'll be dry again. So, so, so it's okay, you know, so you can, you can, you can always adapt. For me, um, when, when I think about resilience, I always had this notion, I was like one of these super type A planners, must plan, you know, when I was home five already like, oh, I'm going to be like this. Um, I was, it was a little bit more, more rigid. And, and then, you know, uh, uh, I face an unprecedented situation in my life. Like I was, I, I, I fell sick. And then that's what made me realize that sometimes you can't plan everything and then things just happen. And then you just have to like adapt and, and move on. So I think 
with that spirit in mind, as we go through COVID, yes, perhaps our companies are going to change. Perhaps we're going to, to um, you know, move around jobs, perhaps. Um, but if you if you if you take the mindset of oh, this is part of a a, a bigger adventure that will just adapt and react to it, you'll be you'll be fine. I always like to make myself feel better and say, you know, it's kind of like a movie. And so if your life is a movie, there's always going to be that part of the movie where something happens. And so how are you going to get over it? And so I think as you go through this scenario, there is opportunity if you think through the lens of opportunity. Yeah. And I guess if we could dive a little bit deeper, you know, you touched earlier upon uh, you know, some of the difficult times that you went through when you were sick, right? Uh, you know, has that sort of been that defining, defining moment of resilience for you? You know, what did you do in that time and what tools or ways did you do to sort of bounce back from that? Yeah. So, so number one, I, I um, got rid of the concept of time because mm -hmm. like I said before, there was this notion of, oh, you know, must do such and such a thing by such and such a time and this and that and this and that. And then it was like this artificial timeline that we all create for ourselves. And right. then, um, and then once I uh, shifted away and said, no, the timeline is, you know, whatever I make of it. And so if it takes this long, it takes this long, it doesn't really matter. And so, so that was, that was one, one tool. And then really taking a, um, um, uh, I, I mentioned this in my in my talk um, back in December, but but it's just shifting that mindset of, you know, instead of questioning why this thing is happening to me, like yes, why, you know, I'm so you have this this a little bit of a, oh, life is not fair. Why is this happening to me? Or oh, so kind of mindset, but then just shifting to a, why is this happening for me? What am I supposed to be? What is the universe, you know, trying to teach me about this? This, scenario, this situation. And so why is this happening for me? That's always like a, a good way to just continue to, you know, yeah. to stay grounded. Like, wow, I'm sure there is a hikmah behind this. There is a reason why this is happening. I just need to stay engaged and, and like find it. Right. Yeah. So what has sort of, you know, been the biggest learning points for you since returning home to Malaysia, adapting back home and, and uh, you know, with all of this happening? So I think like everything, every, every, it's, it's learning all, all throughout, like there, you, you can never stop, stop learning. Um, but I think um, as I think about, so for me, like the change really is like, this is by far the most complicated job that I've ever had. Um, to, to be in an organization like MDAT, which is for one, you know, it's moving from private sector to government, and then two, in a yeah. role like like uh, in a developmental agency, is very different. Um, and and the other the other interesting thing I would share also, um, you know, with being private sector versus government, like before, I think we all in all the companies, I I, I assume like a lot of the the, the audience today comes from the private sector. And so when you're in the private sector, you get to choose who your client is, like who you want to focus on. Right. And 
and and so that you could be like a, a luxury item, you could be like a service item, you, you could you get to choose. But I think like with the government, you don't because you're accountable to like everybody. And so the the hardest um, uh, one of the toughest thing to do is just uh, to to simplify the complexity. And so how do you frame certain things to make it easy for people to understand? And that mm-hmm. certainly that that um, um, we continue continue to to do, and then how do you when you're trying to communicate with like so many your when your audience is so broad, yeah. and you're trying to fill the same message, how do you make it relevant to? Because like now I gotta explain, I gotta explain you know what the country is doing as far as digital is concerned to to investors that are looking yeah. to. But I also need to explain, you know, digital to like my chikia and and <laughs> so it's quite, it's quite broad. Um, but thankfully, you know, there there's a there's a big team behind. Uh, there's a big team at MDAC, and and um, we all bring um, perspective and and we iterate, and then so ultimately we get to like the right solution that that we need to. Right. And I think this is a nice pivot into some of the questions that our audience has for us. I'm going to combine your questions, PC and Nifong. Uh, PC, you asked, what are the new initiatives that MDEC introduced recently to help those uh, entrepreneurs who want to shift into digital businesses? Ah. And added, um, how do you see then the future landscape of digital transformation in Malaysia? You know, where are we in this and what are our own individual roles in adapting to this new norm? Okay, so so let's talk first about about the entrepreneur part of it, um, and so so I think like today, if you're an entrepreneur and you're not thinking some if digital is not in your equation somehow, you're not going to go very far because even if you sell shoes, you there is a digital component to that. Um, like how do you sell online? How do you market online? And then as your company gets bigger. How do you even, you know, run more your your operations more efficiently? Digital sometimes when we t- when we think about the word digital, sometimes people get get and you, you add the word transformation behind it, which is what the consultants added to make it seem like <laughs> complicated. Nobody else can do this. You must hire, you know, McKinsey. Then we'll help you through your digital transformation. Um, really, um, it it starts to become intimidating. But if you think about what is digital really, what is technology, it's just a tool that helps you do something better, faster, and cheaper, and, and better overall experience um, 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 while you're at it. And so don't be scared of digital. It's really just a tool, better, faster, cheaper, greater customer experience. Um, um, so so that's sets the landscape on digital. And so the question was, what have we done over the past little bit to enable entrepreneurs um, right. to go on digital? So um, depending on which part, which kind of entrepreneur you are and where you are in your digital journey, we've actually been quite busy over the last two months. We were busy already before, you know, everything from training people um, on to, to um get more familiar and get on e-commerce, for example, um, yeah. um, to nurturing startups, we've been quite busy, but, but I'll, I'll touch on a couple of things that we've done. So last week, uh, so now, you know, in a world where 
there is restricted movement in the world where people still need transactions. E-commerce is, of course, um, not like the new thing to do, but it's it's the norm now. Like the the reliance on e-commerce is is great. And so, if you're a business and you're not somehow digitally enabled, e-commerce is not digitally enabled, then 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 you're you're suboptimal. So, so uh, one of the things that we did last week actually was a whole week long. Um, uh, online expo is what we called it. So E-Dagang Expo, EDX, was a five-day um, um, expo uh, which had 20 webinars. We partnered with the private sector, everyone from Shopee, Lazada, AirAsia. We had influencers. We have like new apps, new tools. Um, and and the event, and so you could, you could um, um, attend classes online to get like the latest and greatest content which would be relevant for if you if you never set up your shop online we had Shopee uh, do a here's how you set up your shop online in one day kind of thing we had like uh, content that talked about that um, and we had like showcases of the latest and greatest hey you guys don't you don't need a big shop you can actually you know use this latest tool that we have you can sell set up your shop on WhatsApp and, right. and so it was quite a, a, an exciting, um, uh, exciting because like we pulled it off, we planned it in 11 days and then we kicked it off. Um, and it, it had five, close to 5,200 participants that was on the Zoom calls and about 67,000 people that were following it on, um, um, on, on Facebook. So, so we hope to do more of that because online learning, getting people exposure to, to e-commerce uh, is certainly something that we want to enable entrepreneurs to do. And then on the other side, you know, if you're a tech startup, you know, some of the things that we were doing was um, really helping to connect the dots faster. So for example, before this, you know, companies were, startups were having conversations with investors already. Um, yeah. But now that you can't really go out and have your coffee chats in Bangsa, like what do you do? Like how do you pitch your idea? So, so we had online versions of that. So investor matching. Um, so we did we did that. Um, we, we ran, partnered up with private sector, in this case like 137 Ventures and did an online accelerator for, for startups. Um, and the latest that we just announced yesterday was partnering up with Gobi Ventures it's a pitch it's going to be a competition. So we can pitch competition style. There'll be like uh, certain problems that we want you to solve. But then if you win, then you'll get funding from, from Gobi Ventures as well as MDEC. So, so we've been quite um, um, busy. But what I said earlier on, the approach is because what we're, try what, what we're trying to do is, is get content um, to as many people as fast as possible um, uh, and get products and services to many people as fast as possible, the way to accelerate that is to partner closely with, with others. In this case, we've been doing quite a bit of uh, a number of collaborations with, with the private sector. That's awesome. That's, that's great to hear. Um, and oh, another one, another one I'll just share because like, I'm sure everybody on this call uh, knows Coursera or they're curious yes. to learn like, hey, you know, where can I get new and latest and greatest um, 
you know, courses. And so we partnered with Coursera. Um, and so um, free classes, free courses wow. on Coursera. That's awesome. I think everyone will probably flock to Coursera after this. Yeah. Uh, so I think first 500 gets gets the courses for free or something like that. So go to my go to MDEC's website or 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 easier just look on LinkedIn and so we've posted all the things things there. That's brilliant. And and I guess you know for the audiences here if they would also like to support these communities, you know, the the entrepreneurs, the small businesses, you know, what do you think are ways in which we can also, you know, do our part to support these communities? So for one, I would say um, um, you can support by being a consumer. So as you're thinking about purchases, be mindful of what it is that you purchase. And so buy local. Um, mm -hmm. I remember the, the one, one day I was going to, we were going to a meeting and one of my my um, office mates, I was saying, oh, don't worry, I can pick you up and then we can go together. And then the response, her response was, no, 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 that's okay. I got a Grab driver and I think, I think the Grab driver needs the cash. So I'll go myself to Grab. Um, but that's one way you can start to support um, just by being consumers. Um, um, the, the other way that you can support, like for example, support some of you were asking support entrepreneurs um there's crowdfunding so if you're not familiar with crowdfunding that's something that you could you could you could look into so we've actually partnered with with um seven of the crowdfunding agencies that are out there to help um number one um showcase some of the interesting startups to actually be on there and then but on the consumer side you can you can look through those and then and then make a, an investment uh, into these, these companies. That's another way that you could, you could support. You can awesome. go to like and, 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 and others. Great, so I'm mindful of time. For those who are interested in asking questions, please just drop them into the chat. Uh, we'll try and get them covered uh, before 3 p.m. Um, I think Darshini, you asked a very interesting question, actually. She asked Serena, who is your role model in, you know, resilience wise, who do you look up to or emulate? Um, you know, it's, 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 it's tough to, there, there's many, so there's many. And, um, but I remember one that, that, um, you know, it was this video that I saw on on YouTube. Actually, it was quite kind of coincidental, and the video was all about using failure as fuel. And and the video showed all these different, you know, um, artists and not artists, but but athletes, including Serena Williams. She was actually in the video as well. But it was just talk reminding you that. You know, sometimes when you fail at something, yeah. then use that as your as your fuel to keep you going. Yeah, keep you going. Uh, but um, you see, I also want to touch on. So when you talk about resilience, to yeah. me, there's there's two parts to to this. So number one, yes, the resilience, i.e., you get knocked down, and then how do you continue to 
to, to pick yourself up and, and move forward, right? And so that's some of the things that I touched on before. But the other aspect of resilience also is just, you know, taking care of yourself. Because, yeah. and, and this is the, the aspect that sometimes, sometimes we, we, as women in particular, we forget. And, and so in order to stay resilient, like you really need to have this, this, this mindset of, no, no, it's all temporary. Yes, I can come what may, we'll get over it. Um, and, but you also need to make sure that you just take care of yourself physically. Um, because like one of the things that, um, I'm sure it was not just me, like other people also experienced this. The last, last two months as we were all working from home, juggling work, juggling the kids, juggling everything, it's been taxing on, 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 on the body. And so we forget, we forget to, to get rest. We don't sleep enough. We don't drink enough. And so I think it's really important to just remind ourselves that, you know, it's not so much about time management, but energy management. So sometimes I need to just take time to just rest. And so, yeah. so that's part of being, being resilient. And the other part about being resilient also is just to find, somehow find joy every day, which sometimes is hard during these times, but, but just stepping outside, getting some fresh air, um, listening to music. Yeah. So, so it's really important to, 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 in order to stay resilient, like you take care of, of yourself too. That's why, like I said, you know, in the beginning, we were transitioning, moving our business continuity plans. Like I told everybody, like, it's really important to put our oxygen mask on first. You got to take care of our people, our, um, you know, things first before we're able to, to help instead of others. Well, that's really a great point that you make there, Serena. And I think it's not um, harped on about enough. I think we're always so caught up with going from one task to another that we actually forget about the, the first person that we have to live with, which is ourselves. Um, and so it's a great reminder, right, especially on a Saturday afternoon, that, you know, it's, it's important to carve out time and be able to manage your energy in that way. Yeah. So I guess, I guess if I could fast forward um, 20 years from now, let's say, or sometime in the future, it's uh, 2030. You know, what does a post-COVID world look like to you? What do you envision? So, um, so post-COVID world, okay, so when you, when you talk about the economic analysis, for example, and everybody's talking about, okay, what is it going to look like? Is it going to be a V-shaped recovery, a U-shaped recovery, an L-shaped recovery, and so forth and so forth? But if you put economics aside, what we will see is, for sure, there will be a change in, in, in business dynamic because you see some sectors um, really being hit very hard. Um, and so people have had to, to make changes and adjustments. And, and so this whole notion of um, thinking about the human element is going to be one area that people are really focused on. Everything from, hey, how do you reskill people that have lost jobs? How do you continue to, to like, how do we manage all these people? How do you, how do you, how do you maintain resilience during this time and, and, and mental sanity and how do you help people that's out there? So I think like post-COVID, i.e. post-MCO, post-COVID, 
we will be in this uh, like human resource type, like people type issues will be very important because you know, we are after all, and you're already being being um, impacted by by technology. So you start to see, you know, automation and everything else. But what does that mean, and how do we move that forward? And so that's one area where where we're all thinking through that right now. Like I'm super stressed out, thinking, oh my god, like I've been talking about training programs and whatnot, but but those solutions are impactful, impacting thousands of people. But now, how do I do that for? hundreds of thousands of people and right. so, so that's something that that's really top of mind um, the other thing post-covid i will also say um, people's confidence as far as digital has also increased which is a positive because right. before this everybody felt like oh no you know i can't do it you know like what is i don't you know it's it's too complicated for me but now that we have this catalyst to really push people like no you got to try the confidence as trying new things has actually increased like I remember so just last week alone I was just teaching my dad hey D, this is how you do zoom calls you got to figure out now it's not that hard so come let's do it so people so so we're starting to see an increase in terms of just confidence and interest and now instead of why do we need to go digital that everybody's at the okay so now how what do I do which is right. which again is uh, represents opportunity opportunity for if you're an entrepreneur you can say hey there's you know how do i do job matching how do we do training and so forth and so forth um yeah the other aspect i think will, will change is really um how do you because the notion because what's happened right now as far as digital is concerned um the the, the demand for digital has just skyrocketed so so all these things that would have taken you know, five years to get people on board and interested and whatnot, it's all happening. You try and squeeze everything all now. So we need like all these digital products and services now. And so how do you do that? And so you'll start to see more, um, you'll need to see more collaboration and cooperation because every because we're trying to figure out things at scale. Yeah, completely, completely agree. I think Yong uh, has a really relevant question, actually, um, and add on to your point again about you know running training programs, and, um, you know driving the digital economy forward for Malaysia. You know, um, Mifong's point is that we need more Serenas out there to come back into the country. Will you or MDEC promote some initiatives to attract Malaysian talent abroad to to yeah. consider opportunities returning home? Yeah. So so. See, here's, here's the thing. So when I was abroad, like my parents were always like, oh, must come home, must come home, must come home, must right. come home. Um, but I actually saw it the other way around. Like I actually saw it as it's my responsibility. I should be, there's a lot of learning like where that, that happens outside as well. So it's not so much, I see it not so much as brain drain, but it's more like talent export over there and, 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 and the opportunity to actually, the question then becomes, how do you harness all that, that knowledge and information um, of diaspora to benefit to benefit Malaysia, and so this is something that personally it's it's near and dear to me because like I've been one of those people, and so how do you benefit? How do you how do you know how do you harness the knowledge of all that expertise that's outside? Um, so we're starting with the dialogue uh, last Sunday, for example, I hosted the very first um, diaspora digital Malaysia dialogue. So it's just getting oh. all the, the the diaspora. Um, 
just starting a conversation. What I told them is that, look, today, digital connects people. You don't necessarily need to be physical somewhere in order to be impactful. Like today, we're all doing this via Zoom. Some of you, one of you could actually be in Melbourne for all I know, right? Um, so so um, I, I, I said that there's really a lot of opportunity to, for them to contribute their thinking, not just their, their doing, their thinking to things that's happening over here. So, so we, were, we started talking about things like, hey, you could be a mentor, you could be uh, uh, an advisor to a company, you, uh, to a startup, you could be a board member for one of the big companies that are, that's here already. And so we're, that's certainly something that we're looking into, how to institutionalize, because um, sometimes I feel that you, you, you're, 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 be, you're able to make an impact from wherever, from wherever you are. And then like, I, I love to follow, I don't know, there's this lady, Dr. Amalina. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I feel like she's in London, but she's contributing in her own way. Like she doesn't have to be, I think she's more special by being over there than being over here, because by being over there, you can see, oh wait, there's you know, Malaysians that are abroad as well, doing really interesting things. And then that inspires the next generation to say, hey, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I want to be like her. And it doesn't really mean she's still Malaysian. She's just as Malaysian being over there as she is over here. That's true. For those of you who don't know, Dr. Amalina is actually a surgeon. She's Malaysian. If you remember way back when, you know, um, there is a, a girl who got, um, you know, 17 A's in SPM. That's, that's Amalina. She's not a doctor in, in London. Oh my God, she got 17 A's? Yes, I think I re distinctly remember that headline. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so thank you so much, everyone, for your questions. Um, Aizal, I think you have also quite a relevant question here. And Serena, you touched upon this, you know, when you were saying that uh, women, especially, we should take care of ourselves at this time. You know, when it comes to the conversation of resilience, how do women also include, you know, men and the rest of their families in helping them, you know, build resilience together, right? And Aizal, your question actually is, how do you see the progress of gender diversity the top level of businesses and, and corporations in Malaysia. I think, I yeah. think that's why we're all here, really. Yeah. I think we, we still have a long way to go, um, mm. which is why I'm here today. Like, I feel that in this area, like, we really have to continue to, to help um, uh, mentor one another, inspire one another, because, because it's hard enough being a, a professional and then when you add all the, the biases that there are um, when, when dealing with, you know, when, when you're in a very male-dominated environment, um, you need all the support that you can, the reinforcement that you, you, you can. So we've got quite a bit of work to do still. Mm -hmm. That's Great. why we need the next generation, i.e. you guys. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think definitely there's a lot of progress that can still be made. And I think perhaps that's why, you know, people, groups like Lena Malaysia exist and why we're having conversations like these. Uh, Lindsay had a question about digital leadership. Serena, what does digital leadership mean to you personally? And as a woman, what tips or reference materials could you share? Yeah, 
So that's actually um, quite a broad question because like on one side, what does digital leadership mean from a, an organization standpoint? So again, like I think of it as, um, because I think my, my definition of, I tend to think of digital as a company that's able to be better, faster, cheaper and deliver a better experience um, versus their competitors because they leverage technology tools. And, 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 and so there's, there's innovation thinking in that as well. So I think like digital leadership means that you're able to, to perform effectively. Um, how? By using, you know, leveraging digital tools. From a personal standpoint, um, you know, personal digital leadership, I think just means that you're able to understand um, the, the dynamic nature of, of technology and how do you actually use that? Again, it's all relative so that you can be, um, you can perform better and be more informed and just think a little bit differently. I also think like digital leadership is not about accepting the, the status quo because, because technology is a tool and it's a meant to be a tool that um, just keeps you, uh, helps you um, uh, and innovate, it's change. Digital leadership really, because when you think about digital, digital is actually a synonym for, for technology. So all the change that, 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 um, that, that we're seeing and experiencing today. But when you think about what technology actually is, technology is change. So when you think about digital leadership, ultimately it's about change. How do you continue to change and innovate? Thank you very much, Serena. So if I could just wrap up today's, you know, quick brief dialogue on a nice Saturday afternoon, um, how we can build resilience is by shifting our mindsets, being more adaptable, and a very unique uh, advice from Serena actually is to sort of get rid of the concept of time because, you know, then you're just able to be able to meet the present moment. Um, Serena, thank you so much for your time. It's been, it's always so inspiring to learn and talk to someone like you and for us, you know, uh, learning about what you're doing for the digital economy also helps a lot of us who like to support entrepreneurs or be entrepreneurs actually. Serena, any last words? Yeah. So, so one fun, um, so one tip to be resilient is of course to find the fun in everything that you do. I mean, like it's, it's energy. There's, even if it's cloudy and sunny and, and, and stormy, there's still opportunity to find uh, the, the light. And one um, tip, at least that's helpful for me, is just to indulge in music. And so whatever it is that you go through, make sure that you've got an awesome playlist to go with that. So, so, um, you you'll be yeah, that that's my little little tip i love that i think we're after this we're all gonna go have a dance party <laughs> thank you once again serena thank you. it was a pleasure